You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Southside Baptist Church, located in Florence, South Carolina. We now have two services, a classic service at 8.30 and a modern service at 11 o'clock. For more up-to-date information, check us out at southsidenow.church. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. But as you turn there, one day in India, there was, there was a man who was passing some elephants. He suddenly stopped because he was a little confused as he saw these massive elephants, these powerful elephants, and uh, they were tied up just on one leg by a simple rope. And he thought to himself, there's no way that elephant is going to stay right there in that spot. That elephant is too powerful for just that little rope to hold that elephant. So he asked the trainer, trainer, how, how is this elephant staying right here just with that simple small rope? And the trainer's like, well, it's very simple. When they're little, we train them that way as they grow. So when they're little and they're tied up to that rope, they're not strong enough at that point in time to break off that rope. And so they'll pull and they'll pull, but they can't break that, uh, that rope. They can't break out of that bondage in which we've put them in. So we have them trained. Eventually, they come to a point where they give up. They get used to the tug of the rope. You see, the elephant has the strength. It has the ability To be free, but it's been conditioned to believe that it cannot break away. They believe the rope can still hold them, so they never break free. And the man was amazed, thinking, wow, I didn't realize realize that the psychological part of that, when it comes to elephants, would, um, would cause them not to break free. To keep them stuck right where they were. And people are a little bit like elephants. If you know Christ as your Savior, you're a Christian, you've been born again, God has set you free. You're no longer underneath the law. You have been set free. And even though you've been set free, many of us, we don't know how to live free. We don't. We don't live as though we are free. And for example, for example, Even though Jesus set us free on the cross, even though he paid for your sin and you're free for all of eternity, you're you're free, but you're not able to live free. And you think to yourself that as you live this Christian life and you come into some of these problems that you have, you end up having anxiety issues, depression issues, fear issues. And you think to yourself, I know I'm free. I know I'm saved, but you're not living free. And you're wondering, and you're hoping, and you desire to live free. And this is, this is an issue that a lot of people face. In fact, it's said that one in two adults will deal with some type of amount of anxiety, of depression, and uh, in their life. And so the mindset that we have is important. And tell you what, it's not getting any easier for the future generations. In fact, there's a generation coming up that was born between 1997 and 2012 called Gen Z, Generation Z. And um, I, in fact, I have two children that are in that, uh, in that generation, Gen Z. And it is said that they are more anxious than any other generation. 
Now, you might think to yourself, but they're young. What do they have to be anxious about? It's interesting. As you look at some of the most popular songs of that generation and what they like, it deals, most of the songs deal with being stressed out and or having anxiety. And kids today, it's hard for them, it seems, to get away from some of the pressures in life. For example, if you're around my age, the age of 40, um, and above, when you were a kid and you had a bad day at school or you're dealing with a bully or dealing with a difficult situation um, or just had a, you know, an awful day, uh, you could go home, decompress, get you a snack, talk to your mother, or talk to your father, go outside and play, do what you needed to do. Uh, but today, and some of this is because of technology, they come home and that person maybe who's given them grief can message them, can text them can see what someone's writing about them on social media. And it's hard at times for them to get away, to decompress. And that constant pressure is part of the reason that so many deal with more and more anxiety in this world. And years ago, there was a time where Sunday was kind of sacred. Even when, even when there still were people who were working on Sunday, but man, many of our sports programs have moved, even in our local high schools, to where, you know what, we have cheerleading practice, or we have football practice, or basketball practice on a regular basis on a Sunday evening. It's moved away from a select uh, sports of being on a Sunday morning or close enough to it that a family has to decide between church and sports at times. Even Wednesday nights. And you can go on down the line. When it comes to this subject of people dealing with anxiety. And so the question is, where do you go from here? Is there freedom that you can experience? You know Christ as your Savior. You know you've been set free. But there's a rope tying you. And you're just standing there, stuck. And you wonder if you could ever be free. And the answer is, absolutely. And this is part one of this series of winning against anxiety is the title of this message. And starting off in Galatians chapter five, it says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure so there's a warning right here in this passage that you stay free and that you don't get tied up again in the slavery to the law. Now, Paul, who wrote this, was writing to the church in Galatia, where you get the book of Galatians. And there was this temptation of holding on to the Jewish religion that they were saved out of. And some were mixing grace with the law. And you have to do this and that in the law in order to really truly be saved. And, and people do it today. I mean, from some teaching and preaching that you have to speak in tongues in order to really be saved. Or you have to do this in order to really truly be saved and just go on and on. No, we are set free. And Christianity, those things we should do and there's things we shouldn't do, it's more than just a list of do's and don'ts. It's a relationship. It's a relationship with the Lord. So he gives us a warning. Make sure you stay free, Christian. What is tying you up that you can't experience freedom? We have freedom in Christ. We really do. So there's some things. This is kind of, a, like I said, a part one. This is not going to answer it all or how to get out of anxiety, but there's some things I think we really can take from today's message that I think will encourage you, that will help you, that will get you on the right path. And here's the three points we're going to look at. One, 
you are not crazy. You're not the only one, and God will help you. So the first one is you're not crazy. Some of you may look crazy, but it doesn't mean you are crazy. And many can think this to themselves, that I guess, I guess I'm just crazy. But the truth is mental illness um, is among the most common health conditions in the United States. And you may feel that like you're losing your mind, but you're not crazy. You're not insane. You're not experiencing something uh, nobody else is going through. You're not messed up in ways that nobody else will understand. You are a broken human being like the rest of us that has struggles, that has issues, that has good habits, bad habits. And we have, we, some of us come from, you know, some bad family situations and there's things you had to learn because you, your family didn't teach you. Like we all have something. We all have a hurt. We all have something that is broken. We're broken, I guess, uniquely in our own way, but we're broken. Think of a a baseball going through a window and it breaks into a thousand different pieces. Each one of those pieces is unique in and of itself, but they all are broken. Now, I want you to know, don't take this the wrong way, okay? We all are special um, in God's eyes and we're unique. He only made you, right? God loves you. You're unique and you're special in that way. But in this regard, you're not. Okay, so you're not special in this way. And, and what Satan does, and this is in a good way. Okay, Satan loves for you and me to think that that we're the only one in this struggle. And I want you to know. Okay, I want you to know when you're watching or here, you are not that special that you're the only one struggling with the struggle in which you have. You're special to God. Absolutely. But your, your, your circumstance and what you're dealing with and what you're wrestling with is not unique to you. And I want you to know you're not crazy. And someone here or someone watching needed to hear that this morning. You're not crazy. What you're going through may be horrible. What you're going through could be very, very difficult. And you may feel like no one else knows or no one else could relate. That's a lie from Satan. It, part of what you're dealing with is a spirit, is spiritual warfare. Is a part of it, maybe not all of it, but a part of it. And there's times in which life can, man, it can get really, really tough. But I want you to know you're not crazy. So stop seeing yourself as a freak or an outcast or a misfit and take a second to see yourself as a child of God. We've heard it said before that uh, misery loves company. You ever wonder why that's kind of held true? I think, I think people just want to know that there's other people who hurt like they hurt. I'm not saying that's good, misery loves company, but we want to know there's other people who hurt like we hurt. And sometimes in church, we like to try to pretend like nothing's ever wrong and we got it all together. And the fact is, there's just times when we don't. We don't have it all together. We're not sure of what the next step should be. And we wonder, God, what are you up to? God, why am I feeling this way? Why am I struggling with this? And what should I do? Now, in this series, there's a couple of books I want to recommend to you. Okay, and, and some of the stuff in this book, you'll see in some of the part of the, some of the sermons here, okay, that um, I've taken, there's, there's really good. Now, I'm not saying I agree with everything this person believes, but and I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? So I just want to kind of give you that disclaimer. But I, I like these authors. I think they write some good stuff. Here's one called Generation Z 
unfiltered. It's by Tim Elmore. Heard this guy at a conference, I don't know, four or five years ago. Really good. Very insightful, especially if you have kiddos who were born between 1997 and 2012. Or if you own a business and you're hiring people. Like, this, is, this is some really good stuff. Very insightful. And it also talks about some of the other generations too. Okay, So it gives some good insight. Um, this is one. Um, Craig Groeschel, who's a pastor, Life Church, Winning the war in your mind, change your thinking, change your life. Very good. Craig um, always has, man, he's, a, he's an excellent writer, excellent communicator, has a podcast, has, he's on YouTube. You can check him out. He's not hard to find. But uh, I really highly recommend this one. This is really, really good. Um, this other one, and actually end up finding this book. Um, and these are, there's just a couple. There, there are more out there, and these are these are faith based. Actually, heard this guy being interviewed by Craig Rochelle, and it's called "Attacking Attacking Anxiety" by Sean Johnson. He's a pastor in Colorado, and um, really his testimony of what he went through and heartbreaking, but at the same time very very encouraging. Had an anxiety attack that just crip, I mean just crippled him, and how he got through it and what he did. And my heart really you know, goes out to him. But I wanted to recommend um, those books. I'm going to put those on the ground over here, just get them out of my way. But um, check those out, and uh, I'll try to put those online a little bit later. And um, how I encourage you to check those out. So moving on here a little bit. Um, when it comes to anxiety, something that we need to take a look at, every one of us. And it's, a very, it's, it's kind of a complicated issue because it's not just, this is the problem, do this, solved and we can get this solved in 30 minutes. I wish I could do that for you, but that's not how it works. Um, but we do need to know what's bubbling this up. Why are we dealing with this, this fruit that we don't want of anxiety or depression? What's kind of bringing this up into our life? What's feeding this? And when you get down to it, you need to get down to the root of the issue. If we've been set free as Christians... And we got this crippling anxiety or depression. We need to ask, okay, what's going on here? We need to take a good look at this. So here's number one. Here's number one of, of what anxiety stems from and uh, of the four places it stems from. One is past abuse. And if you have past abuse, there's a good chance it's feeding into your anxiety. No matter how many years ago it was or how over it you think you are and you just kind of pushed it down and you just kind of ignored it and here's the thing with people we tend to be one of three types when it comes to issues in our life some people are what they call barriers they'll take their problems and their issues and they'll just bury it man they'll bury it in their backyard put some dirt over it try to grow some grass over and just bury it and like ah it just never happened and it eventually grows that's the problem ends up being a seed and the seed ends up having roots and ends up having a shoot and then you end up having some fruit and you end up having some other problems. Then there's people who are carriers and they're like had the bag on them and they're just carrying that bag and the more they put in that bag and they carry it, carry it and the lower they get and the more obvious it is. Then there's people who are like ducks, man. They're like ducks. They're like, when their problems come their way, it's like water off the back of a duck. It just flows right off, and it's like nothing ever bothers them. Nothing ever sticks to them. And so some of us naturally are maybe bent more one way than the other, and and that's okay. And this past abuse, it can bubble up. It can bubble up. 
And maybe you were physically or you were sexually abused. I don't know what kind of abuse maybe you uh, had in your life. And you're wondering, how do I get past this? What should I do? And I really, really want to encourage you to get some help. To go and see somebody. Whether it's one of our pastoral staff or two. There's the I Hope Center, which is a Christian counseling I think there's some wonderful counseling that's out there. There's some that you might want to stay away from. That's some secular counseling that um, could, be, uh, could be an issue for you. That may not point you in the right direction. But nonetheless, you need to get help. You need help. In the book, The Body Keeps a Score, the author says this. He says, as long as you keep secrets suppressed and suppress information, you're fundamentally at war within yourself. And the critical issue is allowing yourself to know what you know, and it takes an enormous amount of courage. And if that's you, it's time for you to get some help. It's time for you to talk to somebody. And and you may go, but but preacher, you you don't understand how badly I was hurt. You're right, I don't. But God does. And there's some things that spiritually that you need to get to the root That will greatly help you. There's some things that I'm just going to mention briefly. And I've preached really take a whole sermon and that wouldn't be enough. The number one way to get help get past abuse that takes some time. Some of you aren't going to like this. Okay. But sometimes we end up the medicine we need is not what we like the, the taste of it at first. Is you need to forgive. Oh, preacher, you don't understand. I want this person dead. Maybe so. And forgiving someone is not giving them permission to hurt you again. It's not necessarily even giving them permission to be in your life. But until you forgive them, you're allowing that hurt to continue over and over and over again, whether they are alive or dead anyway. You have to live with that. As they say, they're, they are living rent-free in your mind. And that's part of it. And if you really want the healing to begin when it comes to abuse, you need to forgive. I'm not saying, listen, if there's a situation where you know the law enforcement needs to get involved, let them get involved. Like We have laws of the land for a reason. I get that. I'm not minimizing that. But at the end of the day, if you want that wound to heal, need to forgive. Here's number two, is current pressures. Pressure is a part of life. It's something we all have to deal with. And actual, uh, not all pressure is necessarily bad. God made us that way, okay? In fact, there's two types of pressure, two types, I guess you could say, anxiety or stresses in our life. There's facilitating and, and debilitating anxiety. So there's a healthy fear. There's an unhealthy fear. The healthy fear, the healthy anxiety helps keep you alive. It helps keep you on your toes. For example, if you're going to, if you've ever played any sports and you're going to go play a soccer game and you're going to go play, or you're going to go give a speech and you have those butterflies in your stomach, that's helping you focus to do your best. Let's say you're in a vehicle and you're going hundred miles an hour. And you realize, oh, this is getting a little uncomfortable. There's the edge of the cliff, or I'm right here, or I'm there, or there's a curve coming up. I better slow down. Healthy anxiety like this is God's way of helping you when you end up doing dumb stuff. And we all have done something dumb before, and you're like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. 
But what happens with this unhealthy fear, this unhealthy anxiety that's in our life, and, and sometimes these can cross over from a healthy fear to an unhealthy fear when um, kind of the switch gets stuck and it gets left open. So how does it get left open? It gets left open because we either don't take time off, we're going 100 miles an hour, and just like with any vehicle, if you had to get around a dangerous situation, you boom, you forward it real fast, and, and you got around the situation, that's a healthy anxiety. That's a healthy fear. But if you just keep it down the entire time, you're like, man, I'm all gas and no brakes, eventually you're going to hit a wall. Eventually you're going to come to an unhealthy stop. And that's what can happen in our lives. And many of us are so busy, we never stop. Now, in the Bible, in the New Testament, we know Jesus fulfilled the law. We also know that Jesus mentioned all the Ten Commandments but one. That was the Sabbath. And we know the early church said, we're going to meet on Sunday instead of Saturday because of the power of the resurrection. Because Jesus rose again on Sunday, and that conquered death. We're going to celebrate on a Sunday. No, we're not underneath the law. That's true. The principle of the law of keeping the Sabbath still is true. What is that principle? The principle is that we should have a day of rest and worship. Rest and worship. We worship God on our day of rest. Many people take Sunday as that day of rest. For some Sundays, it's not a day of rest for some. For example, preachers, it's not a day of rest. All right, I'm not complaining. It's not a day of rest. Um, police officers, nurses, some doctors. There's some, there's some professions in which Sunday is not a day of rest. You still need to get a day of rest. And you're like, here's another one that gets, that's very underrated. You want to hear it? Moms. Motherhood. As it's been said, there's no hood like motherhood. Right? And man, moms can be run ragged and they're getting anxiety and they're built up. You and your spouse, if you have a spouse, need to figure something out where you get a time of rest. Oh, preacher, I'd love to hear that. I'd love for you to really talk to my husband. Well, husbands, you have a spiritual leader in your home. Give your wife a day of rest. Figure something out. Hey, and there's times, listen, I haven't been good at that with my own wife. At times. If you've been married, man, life can get crazy. You throw kids in there. You throw careers in there. You got this, that. Sometimes you got to take a step back and go, okay, wait a second. We got to figure something out here. We all have been there before. There's an unhealthy and there's a healthy type of fear and anxiety. And so when you're all gas and you're no brakes, and you may think, I can't, I can't afford to take time off. I can't afford, I have to go seven days a week, preacher. Listen, I want you to know, God's principle is he can do more with six days than you can with seven. Oh, I don't know about that, preacher. I just can't do that. Listen, if you don't have time to take off, God in time will make you rest. And some, I really believe, in our hurry-up society in which we have, some are experiencing high, higher levels of anxiety and depression because they simply never rest. They never decompress. And therefore, man, you don't listen to God's word. You're not listening to what he says and the wisdom of his word. And you eventually are going to hit a wall and you will rest because you'll have no other choice. We need a time of rest. Here's number three, self-inflicted pressures. We, um, 
did this before social media, but social media has caused us to compare ourselves even more to other people. Whether it's comparing ourselves to the best in our job field, or being a mother, or a father, or being a husband, or a wife, um, there can be an endless loop of comparison. And you may be a really good mom. You may be a really good dad. And you may look on social media and think, oh man, compared to so-and-so, I'm not anything. And you may see the good part of somebody, but behind the scenes, their marriage is falling apart. They don't even like each other. Happens all the time on social media. Social media, in one hand, is kind of a double-edged sword. There's some things on social media that is the real world, but then on another hand, some of it's just fake. I mean, there are places you can go that you can be seated almost like you have your own, your own private jet. And yet it's just in a room in somebody's house that they made up. And people go there and pay them to take a picture. Look how rich I am. I'm in this make-believe jet in someone's 10 by 10 bedroom. Okay, maybe a little bigger than that. But you get my point. You get my drift. Like Not everything we see. And it said, and I don't know who said it, comparison is a thief of joy. The only person you should be comparing yourself to is Christ. That's it. That's it. If you're comparing yourself all the time, if you're always comparing your marriage, if you're always comparing your house, your car, your vehicle, the things you have, your own life to other, other people, guess what? You will be miserable. But when you take a step back and you see all that you can be thankful for, and how God has blessed you, man, it really soothes the heart. Here's the fourth one. is a chemical imbalance. A chemical imbalance. It's a simple fact that some people have some things going on in their brains that make them more susceptible to anxiety and depression. And getting on the appropriate amount of medication will be beneficial and very helpful to them. And to be frank, in the Christian world, you get different viewpoints on this. And I think it's a little concerning when we paint everything with a broad brush when it comes to this subject. Simply because the brain itself, just as your liver and your kidneys and your other organs in which you have, your brain is an organ, and it's a very, very complex one. It's one we don't complete. There's much we don't even understand when it comes to our brain. Now, on the flip side... Every time there are some people, every time they're anxious about something or they're dealing with some anxiety, they go, just give me the drugs. But what those drugs end up doing, what that medication ends up doing for them is just covering up the issue and they never get to the root of the issue. So your issue may be past abuse that you need to deal with. And that medication will cover it up for a time, but you know right there in your gut and in your heart, spiritually, it's right there and it's something you need to deal with. They need to get help. That medication will help for a time, but eventually it's going to grow back. And in fact, sometimes it can just get worse. Sometimes, hey, it's the current pressures and you need to make some lifestyle changes. Sometimes it's your own self-inflicted pressures on your life. But sometimes... Sometimes it's none of those things, and it's simple. You need to get some help, and that's okay. Somebody needs to hear that. And someone also needs to hear that you need to stop taking the medication you're, you're taking because you know you there are some issues you need to deal with and get help with because you know that's the issue, and you know it's that the medication is just covering 
it up. You see, our body, our soul, and our mind, man, when things are out of balance, our life is out of balance. And in this series, Happy, Healthy, Happy, Whole, um, I believe that God wants us to be those things. Now, I do believe God's more concerned with your holiness and your happiness. But I, I don't know anyone who's like, hey, you know what? I'm going to sign up for Christianity so I can just be unhappy. Because <laughs> in Christianity, you can have a bad circumstance and still have the joy of the Lord in your life. And that's something that comes from the Holy Spirit. It's something you can't always quite understand because it comes from, it comes from the Lord. And, um, but there is, it, it's very connected and, and God does care about our bodies and he wants us to take care of them. And here's something that's a little sensitive. Okay. And in fact, once I say it, you'll know why it's so sensitive because you don't hear this really preached on or touched on very often in many churches ever. But some of the medication we're on, not just for anxiety, but maybe other medical issues where it's high blood pressure and other areas and some of those things we need. But you hear stories and stories of people over and over again. Some I've heard personally. Some I've just you know read online and read about. But some even personal to me of knowing people. Of, of some of the issues in which they're having with their medication and the amount they take. The issue really in their life is that they don't simply take care of themselves. They're not watching what they eat. They're not watching how they eat. They're not watching or taking care of themselves when it comes to exercise. Some of those things make a drastic difference in our lives. Uh, And and there's some situations when it comes to our food and our processed food that, man, really can mess us up. I'll give you an example. This is a personal story of um, one of my nephews named Alex. And this is my wife's wife's side nephew, good kid. And uh, when he was little, it's like this kid could not pay attention. Smart kid. You say, well, he probably has ADD or ADHD. And, and I could get that. Um, I have a brother who has had ADD and, and not minimizing that at all. But what was interesting is they had a recommendation from, I think, a family member that maybe it was the red dye in some of the foods. It's called RD, red dye, RD40. And you can look on the back of a package, Doritos, I believe. It's usually in the red dye and the purple. Even in some blues, there's different types. And when they took him off red RD40, he was able, he's still a little boy, right? Um, so boys are going to be boys, but his ability to focus, he had it once they took him off of it. My point is being this. There's some things in our lives when it comes to food that we've probably minimized in our culture when it comes to it. As well, something you don't hear about preached very often is gluttony. Is gluttony. Gluttony is more than just having a moment or time in which we overeat. But it's constantly overeating and not taking care of ourselves. And listen, gluttony is a, man, a, a major, probably number one cause of many of our health issues. And listen, God made us all a little bit different, right? In different ways. He didn't make us all the same size. So I don't want to say, hey, if you're this, you're that, you're right, or whatever. But I'm saying, just as a tidbit, 
And maybe it's something you've been thinking about. Then maybe it's time for you to get serious about what you're eating and the amount of calories you're taking in and exercising. If you're able to exercise and losing weight in this area, you'll feel better about yourself. But you literally will physically feel better about yourself. And maybe in time, there's some medications you simply will not need for the fact that you've lost some of that weight. And some of the anxiety in which we have, the chemical imbalance and our hormones, I believe there's, there's, there's some of it, not all of it. Some of it is connected to what we eat. And so pray about it. Think about it. I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not a doctor, okay? And, um, but I can think back in my own life, there are some times where, man, it, you're not as mentally sharp as you'd like to be at times. And when I realize that I'm eating too much of processed sugar, when I'm having too much overloaded with carbs, man, I am not as sharp in remembering certain things. That's what I found in my own life. And it can be different for different people, certain things. And so um, I'm just saying, hey, check it out. Think about it. That sometimes, sometimes we need to make a decision. You know, it's kind of like the man who's, who asked God for a hole. And God gave him the shovel. God gave him the land. And he's still wondering, God, where's my hole? And God's like, oh, I've given you everything you need to do. You need to dig the hole. And so God has given you health. He's given you Wealth, he's given you money, he's given everything he's given you. There's some things you have to do yourself. There's some things you have to just put your belt on, get your work clothes on, and it's time to go. Sometimes you just need to go look in the mirror and go, you know what? You can do it. You know what? You have no one to blame. And we love to blame everybody else in our culture. Like today, we have to blame everybody else. This is you, my parents. This is... Listen, at the end of the day, you got to live with you. So you go look in the mirror and go, okay, I'm going to try this. I'm going to do this. And by God's grace, you can do it. You can do it. Here's number two. So number one, you're not crazy. You may look crazy, but you're not crazy. Here's number two. You're not the only one. You're not the only one. And one of the many things I love about the Bible is its authenticity. God could have painted a picture of our heroes of the faith as being perfect and always mentally and emotionally strong and confident and never weak. But when you read the Bible, that's not what you read. You read of real people with real struggles, with real issues. And I want to name a couple of them, okay? The first one is the Apostle Paul. In 2 Corinthians uh, verse 1, verse 8, the Apostle Paul, who wrote basically half the New Testament, who planted churches all over the known world, notice how he felt at one point in time. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the providence, province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. Man, if the Apostle Paul was crushed, overwhelmed to the beyond his ability thinking listen i'm never going to live through this and maybe that's where you're at you're like man i'm overwhelmed i feel crushed i don't i don't know i don't know if i can live through this i don't know if i can deal with this you're not the only one you're not the only one here's another one is king david 
King David, yeah, King David, the one who killed Goliath, the one who had those victories. He also was sometimes his own worst enemy. And when you read the Bible, the Bible is prescriptive. In other words, you should do these things. And sometimes it's descriptive. In other words, this is, what's, this is just what happened. The Bible doesn't hide it. It's not saying you should do it. It's just saying this is what happened. David had more than one wife. The Bible is just descriptive in that in the Old Testament. The Bible says you shouldn't have more than one wife. It's clear on it, in fact. In Deuteronomy, in the Old Testament. But King David and his own son Saul, they, uh, um, Solomon didn't listen. And it caused, by the way, and this has been going around more and more in our society. I've seen it about polygamy. Read about every single person who practiced polygamy in the Old Testament and see what problems they had. Every one of them had problems they wouldn't have had if they just married one woman. That's extra. So Psalms 42. I mean, it's like Solomon had like 700 wives and the concubines. And that's that's 700 mother-in-laws. I love my mother-in-law. Not complaining. But why risk it another 699 times, right? (laughs) Psalm 42, it says, Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. So David, even though he didn't feel like it, even though he wasn't feeling it, Put that passage back up, please, if you would, for me. Even though I wasn't feeling, he said, I'm going to put my hope in God. I'm going to praise you anyway. I'm going to remember you. I'm going to remember who you are. I'm going to look back and remember how faithful you have been. And maybe you need to do that. You need to look back a little bit and go on the faithfulness of God. Say, man, God, you've been faithful again and again and again. And I know you're going to be faithful. I know you're going to be faithful in the future. Then there's Jesus. I want you to know something. Don't forget that Jesus knows how you feel. Think about that for a moment. Jesus, God in the flesh, he knows how you feel. This is what it says in Matthew. In Matthew 26, it says, my soul, this is before he was going to be crucified the next day. He knew it was going to happen. He's asking his disciples to pray with him. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And if you know the story, they fell asleep. They fell asleep, and he was overwhelmed with sorrow. He knew he was going to die. The human part of Christ knew, like, man, I'm going to die. But the divinity part of him knew it was the only payment. This is what it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. This high priest of ours, which is Jesus, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. For he faced all the same testings, the same trials we do, yet he did not Sin. Leave that verse there. So he said, think about that. What's your weakest thing about you? Don't have to tell anybody. Whether it's a temptation, a sin you give into, um, man, something that really has messed you up. What is your weakness? What is your kryptonite? Jesus knows it, and yet he loves you. He knows it and wants to help you. He's experienced it, and yet he didn't sin, and neither do you. You are not alone in the battle. You're not alone in the spiritual battle. This is the last point. God will 
help you. Say it with me. God will help you. One in five people, and some of this has just, going through the pandemic, has just gotten worse. It has. Let's be honest. One in five people will experience mental illness this year. And I want you to know that you're not crazy. It's not just you. You're surrounded by other people who are going through either the same struggle or a similar struggle because we're all broken, just in different ways. I want you to know, Jesus never promised that everything was going to be easy. And this idea that if you follow Jesus, you shouldn't have any problems. If you follow Jesus, there should be no suffering. If you follow Jesus, everything should just be smooth. Listen, that is a lie if you've been told that or you think that. I will say this. Life is better with Jesus. So what should you do? I have a couple of passages I want to show you. One is John 16. Notice this. I have told you all this so that you can have peace in me. These are the words of Jesus. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Not maybe, not possibly. You will. But take heart. Don't give up hope. That's what he's saying. Because I have overcome the world. That's who he is. There's Romans. Romans 15, 13 says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. And if you trust in him, this will be the result. If you do this, then, then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. What should you do even when you're not feeling it? Even when you don't know what to do? Make the choice to trust in God. Make the right decisions and the right feelings will eventually come. I'm going to end with this beautiful passage. Many of you know it, at least part of it. I'm just going to read it and we're going to pray. Psalms 23. Psalms 23. If there was a David wrote this, King David. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. Not a shepherd. He's my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me to the side, still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let us pray. God. Many are struggling. Many are wondering what their next steps should be. They may feel like this morning that they have little to no hope. 
They look around a world that seems to be falling apart. That's confused about who they are. Rumors of wars and wars around us. And we wonder, is there any hope? The only true hope we can find is Jesus Christ. We'll deal with suffering. We'll deal with issues in this life. But all who trust in you. All who trust in you will find hope. God, we love you. We're thankful for the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you, church. Have a great week.